Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now, interestingly, this week was with my old man, and he has a Mitsubishi Triton. Now, it's not that old, but it's not exactly brand new, meaning the infotainment system, not much going on there. I think it's got AM, FM, CD, super basic. And we'll talk about navigation, and sometimes he uses his smartphone in a cradle attached to the windscreen, but that's not always perfect. The screen is obviously a lot smaller than what you can get in navigation units. So I grabbed him the Cruise 650 MMT. Uh, it's the Navman GPS unit. It is just GPS. He's actually already got a Navman dash cam that he uses, and he's got that mounted near the rear vision mirror. But the uh, navigation unit that, that he's got now is a six inch screen, which again, not easy to find in most smartphones unless you get a real big one. Um, but this is something that he can use. It's leave it in the car, always have it mounted and ready to go. We're talking about having all of the map updates monthly. He's on the road quite a bit with his ute. It's got Bluetooth hands-free if he needs to for his phone. It's got the landmark navigation. It's got fuel uh, search as well for if he needs to quickly try and get to something. Safety alerts, driver fatigue alerts, the whole lot. Even speed limit alerts, which again, if you're on the road a lot, something like this could absolutely save your bacon. So something to think about. But you know what? At such a large display and all the features that it does pack into it, Recommend a retail price of 229 bucks. It could be the difference to turning up on time or being late for an important date. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get on with the show. All right, now coming up on the show today, we are going to talk about the latest TVs from LG, including their rollable, some interesting news from Amazon and how they manage books. We're going to talk about using your phone while riding a bike and the surprising information around that. Uh, Google, if you're someone who backs up to Google Photos, we need to talk. We've got a lot of changes coming, some important things to talk about there. And I went out and I bought the Apple AirTag and I compared it to a tile head to head proper battle, no PR spin on this one. We're going to give you the raw details on whether you should buy an Apple AirTag or a Tile product. So stay tuned for that. Now, before we get into the tech, I have a drink in front of me. That's what we do every week on this show is we crack a bottle or a glass or a can of something. And today, as just like last week, we've got a few cocktails to burn through. Now, last week we had a margarita and it ripped my face off. It was absolutely pungent, something I probably won't go back to. A little bit much for me. Uh, today, we've got a different can from the same company called Curatif, uh, C-U-R-A-T-I-F. Maybe I'm pronouncing that wrong. Very small can, 18% uh, alcohol. It is a plantation fancy pineapple rum daiquiri. Now, again, I've loaded the glass up with ice on the nose. Smells like brute. Remember Brute Aftershave? Maybe your parents wore it. Maybe the grandparents wore it. Green bottle. Green bottle, black lid. Uh, it smells like Brute. When you taste it, though, I am getting the pineapple. I am getting this, the taste of summer. And here I am sitting here in you know, long, long sleeves, pants, the whole lot, because it's pretty cold, kind of getting into winter here in Australia. So completely mixed messaging going on with a cocktail in the middle of this cold weather. But here we are. And you know what? I'm enjoying this one a heck of a lot more 
than last week. This is quite tasty. The problem here, it's super sweet. It's kind of hard to pick up on the alcohol sometimes, and it could absolutely be trouble if you start to really pile on too many cans. So as always, uh, drink responsibly. I think I said last week, a four pack of these cans, about 45 bucks, um, you know, depending on the, on the place you're buying it from. Interesting thing, we're going to get through this one over the course of the show. Now, first of all, let's talk about LG because we did have a briefing with them. It must have been the day after we recorded last week's episode. So it's crazy sometimes where you've got your regular routine of when you're going to record, knowing that the next day there is a a big amount of news that could have been great to talk about. But why would you delay the podcast? Anyway, so LG has unveiled their 2021 TV lineup. And we're talking about a huge range of TVs here, all shapes and sizes. Um, Something for everyone is really the message here. And I think we noticed this with Samsung that they've got so many different tiers of TVs. Um, With LG, again, their their pinnacle is OLED. Um, They've got LED TVs. They've got these QNED mini LED TVs as well. Uh, But OLED is still their crown jewel when it comes to televisions. And if we are all very honest with one another, the LG OLED panel is the best in class. Without putting the new 2021 OLED panel next to, say, the new QLED TV from Samsung or the mini LED TV from Samsung, it's very hard to actually do a proper comparison. But in any test that most people would normally do, OLED blows people's minds. Now, when I spent the night with the 2021 Samsung TV not that long ago, I was obviously still blown away. Nothing next to it to compare it to. And as I've always said, when you're shopping for a TV, once you bring something home, you're going to be very happy with it. Now, the problem with the launch of these LG TVs that I experienced was it was virtual. I had an option to go into the city Um, They had a house or something that they had filled with televisions to experience them. I couldn't go along to that. So I attend a virtual briefing, which means I get all the information, all the excitement around it, but without actually seeing it with my own eyes. Now, LG TVs this year are coming from 48 inches up to 88 inches if you can afford it. Plenty going on there, 4K and a few 8K TVs, not many. Um, 8K, again, usually only coming in at the 65 inch upwards where it starts to actually make sense. And LG were very clear that 8K is not their focus this year. While they've got a couple of panels that can do it, it's absolutely not something that they're that worried about. They really see it only being 2 to 3% of people purchasing TVs over the next couple of years will be getting 8K, which is a pretty staggering figure when there's all this hype around 8K, yet they don't see the buyer's interest in it. And to be honest, it's probably because of price and also because of content. When we think about what we're watching on TV, most of it isn't even in 4K. And yes, while 8K TVs will continue to upscale and make the TV look as good as it can, most people when they're walking into a JB's or whatever it is are saying, you know what, 4K is good. In five years time, I may consider an 8K TV or later. And I understand that entirely because cost can get crazy. Probably the most exciting thing Probably the most exciting thing about the LG event was a final release of the LG rollable TV. I saw this, I think, in 2019 at CES in Las Vegas, a panel rolling up from a sound from a soundbar, excuse me. So from a soundbar, you've got this soundbar sitting in front of you. And when you turn the TV on, it actually comes up like rising out of the ocean, a a panel is seemingly out of nowhere. 
and a 65-inch 4K OLED panel comes out of the soundbar. It's amazing. You can actually get it to come up just a little bit and it could show information like the weather and the time or the song that's playing, or you get it to come up all the way when you want to watch content. The idea of having a TV like this is that maybe you've got a beautiful big window which has the view of an ocean and you would never want to block that out with a TV. But when you're not watching TV, you still want to be sitting in that same spot where you could have that view. By putting this type of television there, it means that when the TV is off, you could admire the view. And when it's nighttime and there's no view left, up comes the TV to allow you to watch it. I love the idea. I love the concept. If it's sitting in front of a blank wall, it does not make sense. But in that situation, it would. You will not be able to find one in store. You can travel the whole country. You won't find one in store. There won't be one on display. There won't be one that you can see before you buy. You will never be able to see it rise up like a phoenix and understand the beauty of what that is unless you decide to buy one. If you decide to buy one, your order is placed, it is hand built, and it will be delivered to your home. You will also be paying $130,000 for the TV itself. Again, a 65 inch 4K TV. You could buy a car, you could buy every TV in their range except that one for the same price. I don't think a lot of people are going to buy it. Maybe there is a buyer out there who's completely nuts and rolling in it, and this TV is a no brainer for them. But unless you've got 130 grand, I just don't see it happening. Now, moving away from TVs and into books, interestingly, from Amazon. How do I explain this? So, say for example, you, dear listener, are writing a book. And most people, when they go and they want to write a book, they have to go to publishing places like Penguin and others and say, hey, I want to write a book. Can you guys support it? And by supporting it, they pay you to write the book and then they, do, they take care of distribution, printing and things like that. And then eventually you get a cut of all of the sales that you make on those books. It's called a book deal. If you want to be a self-publishing author, you can write your own book. You can find a way to get it printed and design your cover and things like that. And then you can choose to distribute it however you like. Maybe you sell the books yourself online, whatever the case may be. Now with Amazon, they've been doing books for a long time and you can buy seemingly any book or an ebook through them. A lot of people, however, still like a physical book and Amazon do distribute those. But Here's something interesting. They've started what's called print on demand. Now, print on demand means that me, who doesn't have a book but wants to buy a book, goes on Amazon and I see a particular book. I go and buy that, click buy, and they tell me it's going to be delivered in a couple of days. What actually happens behind the scenes is that rather than them picking stock of that book off a shelf, which takes up space and things like that, they will print the book as it is ordered put it in the box and ship it. That is incredible. Now, this is being done out of Western Sydney, their distribution center there. So when you order the book, it will print in their DC, be put into the back of a courier and delivered to your home. That changes a lot of things because if you're a self-publishing author, it means you've now got distribution and printing sorted. It also means that you don't need to pay to print thousands of copies of a book that may not sell thousands of copies, which happens to a lot of people. 
So the benefits here are huge and it's a smart move by Amazon. They've got the environmental angle saying they don't have to kill trees and all this stuff unnecessarily. You've got the issue of storage. They don't have to worry about as much storage because they're only printing on demand. It's genius. Absolutely genius. Now, this is just for self-publishers. So this is something you would have to do directly with Amazon. It's not something that if you've got a book deal, they're doing. So if you think about popular books that are out there, um, they already are probably printed and sitting in Amazon warehouses. But you can just imagine that Amazon is likely talking to them about doing the same thing. It's absolutely genius. And I love that it's happening. Again, you could just go and get an ebook though. So let's be clear. If you've got a Kindle, or a Kobo, or something else, ebooks are delivered instantly. Now, how is this? You are somebody who is riding your push bike somewhere. Maybe you're going to work. Maybe you're going to a friend's place, and you're on your pushy, and you're pedaling along, phone rings. Well, you're still riding. You pull your thing out of your pocket because you're pretty good. You can ride with one hand. Again, push bike, not talking about motorbikes. And you answer the phone, and you're riding along. And you're having a conversation. I don't know how good that conversation could be because of the wind and things like that would be going on. But anyway, you're having a conversation, phone to your ear. Maybe you are wearing a helmet. Police pull you over. Did you know? <laughs> Did you know that it is actually illegal to do that? It is illegal to talk on the phone or use your phone while riding a pushbike. In Queensland, I have heard of the first case ever in my mind. A 24-year-old cycling south of Townsville, police spotted the lady on May 19th and slapped her with a $1,000 fine for doing that. It, I thought it might have just been a Queensland thing. Turns out it's not. If you do the same in New South Wales, Victoria, etc., there is a very similar fine. I am blown away. I thought it was more about driving or people who actually could cause serious risk to others by doing, talking on the phone, touching your phone. Turns out, nope, you could be on a push bike. And I'd love to know how far the limitations of that goes. What if I'm on a scooter? What if I'm using rollerblades? What if I'm using a skateboard? What if I'm roller skating? What if I'm using a Segway? It's fascinating to me, and I have never heard of this before. Maybe you give a warning and just leave it at that. But nope, $1,000 fine, and I had no idea. Now, my advice... If you are somebody who uses a push bike, maybe you're a Deliveroo rider, maybe you're just riding for fun because you think it is, uh, get a Bluetooth earpiece, use a pair of headphones. Uh, if you're wearing AirPods or a pair of Jabra 85Ts or something like that, and your phone is in your pocket and it rings, a tap to your ear, or even using your voice to answer could save you a thousand dollar fine or less in some other states. But Wow, I had no idea about this and it's something to keep in mind. And this is just me doing a public service announcement to all of you to make sure you're not caught up in this, what I think is completely madness. Um, but there it is, a thousand bucks for the poor, did I say 19 year old? I think it was no, 24 year old, May 19th. I mean, unbelievable. So there it is. Now, Google, if you're somebody out there who takes a lot of photos on their phone, especially if you've got an iPhone where you can't stick expandable storage into it, you're very likely to fill up your phone with photos or video. And you have the option, once it's full, to delete content or to back it up and then maybe delete the content. If you're somebody who has installed the Google Photos app to synchronize and back up your images and video, 
you're a smart person. I think it's a really good thing to do. It means that if you lose your phone, your phone breaks, you change phones, whatever the case may be, everything is backed up to the cloud. Easily accessible, easily searchable. I think there are huge benefits to Google Photos. I love it. I use it like mad. And then when I'm trying to find a photo, it takes me seconds to do that. Now, Google is going to be charging very soon for this. Now, with a Google account, you get 15 gigs of free storage. Okay. You have the option to upload in high quality or high definition. I think it's called high definition. If you're somebody who uses the high quality option, after June 1, if you start to go over the 15 gig allowance, you will need to start paying for Google Photos. Now, it is not expensive. We're talking about like three bucks a month for 100 gig, um, a few dollars more for up to a terabyte, and they go even higher than that. The thing is, I am a paying customer. Um, I have hundreds of gigs of documents, videos, photos stored in Google's cloud. Um, I use Google Drive quite heavily as well as Google Photos. And it's a very clear message for everybody that, yes, we've had it free. We've had it really good for a very long time. But being told that you may need to pay $2.50 per month is not the end of the world. And I actually think you should be considering just doing that as soon as possible anyway. I think backing up to the cloud is the best option when it comes to uh, storage. It means that you're not worried about having external hard drives laying around the house, which could also one day be destroyed. Heaven forbid your house burns down or something like that. And it makes a lot of sense. So this is happening. The change is coming. It's June 1. You're looking at it a week away. Now, because it starts June 1, it means that anything you have in there at the moment does not count to this new restriction. So if you've already got 200 gigs of photos in your Google Photos account and you're using the free version still, don't worry. Come June 1, you're not going to get a bill. But when you start using it again, they're going to start counting that. So start thinking about it. Start having a plan of what you're going to do. I've seen people who are talking about leaving Google Photos. I don't know where you're going. I don't know where you're going where it's going to be so good and free that that will actually be a workable solution. Some people are going out to buy external drives. Kudos to you and good luck with it. I think if you're going to do that and you're going to migrate everything you had digital and put it onto a USB drive, that's great. But good luck accessing it from multiple devices anywhere, anytime, and with the same speed that you can with Google Photos. Um, I can tell you that me literally typing in white Volvo or even just white car will show me my daily drive. Um, I know that I can type in Italy. And it will show me any photos that I took when I was in Italy. It is amazing how good Google Photos is. The photo editing that's now built into it as they've upgraded is fantastic as well. This isn't a promotion. This is me giving you advice on backing up photos and paying a few bucks per month to do that. You know, we pay a heck of a lot more for streaming services that we perhaps don't even use every month. This is the same thing, but it's talking about real important stuff. And it's your digital assets. They are the most important things because I'll tell you what, it's the first thing you look back on when you need to find an, an image or memory or anything like that. And uh, if you're someone who, you know, like me, I have the Google Nest in the bedroom and I have one in the kitchen and it's always all day rolling through photos from my Google Photos account. And I don't want that to stop. I don't want to change any of that. I'm happily in that world. 
and it's something people need to start thinking about. So if you don't have a, a backup plan, get one. Um, even if you're happy to use just the 15 gig per month, that's still good. 15 gigs is better than nothing. Um, then you can just think about deleting your bad photos and only backing up the ones that you really think are important. It's up to you. Or just pay the two bucks up or something per month. That's the best option. Now, if your morning sounds something like this, you know, when you say wallet, check, phone, yeah, where's my keys? Where's my keys? Where's my keys? And you could scream that as loud as you like, and then someone might actually find them or you might just magically remember where they were. That happens a lot. And it used to happen to me a lot until I got a tracker for my keys. Now, they come in very different shapes and sizes. Um, Tile is the most common brand when it comes to these Bluetooth trackers. Now, to give you some context, uh, Apple has recently released the AirTag, and we're going to talk about how it compares to the Tile. Before we get into that point, let's talk about what these things actually are. Tile comes in a huge range of you know, shapes and sizes. They don't make them just for keys. They make them for TV remotes, for your wallet, uh, for your skateboard, and they come in different shapes to actually accommodate those different use cases. From about $25 upwards, um, you'll be able to buy a Tile product. Um, my particular favorite, which I use, is the Tile Pro to attach to the keys. It's got this water resistance, um, and we'll get into the actual detail of why I like the Tile product as well. The Slim is the one that I have in my passport wallet. Always a nice thing to have. And the way that they work is that essentially they have Bluetooth and a very small battery built into them. Um, they connect to your smartphone, meaning that when, whenever within Bluetooth range, you can from your phone ring the keys, ring the passport wallet, whatever it is, and the sound comes from the little tracker itself. When you do that, you easily find them, and that's fantastic. The tile has one more benefit, meaning that when you go to the actual product, maybe you have your keys, but you don't have your phone, there is a button on a tile product, every tile product that you can double press and it will ring your phone. Your phone will, even if it's on silent, your phone will go to loud and start ringing. And that saves me a number of times as well, where you've got your keys, but where the heck is my phone? I love that feature. Even when your phone's on silent, it still works. Android or iPhone here. Now, the ring products, sorry, not the ring products, the tile products are getting to a point that the Bluetooth range is getting better and better. In my tests, and this is me talking, I've been able to make a tile ring from 100 plus meters away. Line of sight, I'm not talking about through walls or anything like that, but 100 meters away. I put it in a field and did this, walked away, found the 100 meter mark, hit find on my phone, and I could hear the tile ringing. Okay. Each of the tile products come with at least 12 months of battery life. Some of them have three years, such as the Slim and the Sticker. The Sticker, which is fantastic for TV remotes or skateboards or something like that. Now, the other thing which comes with these trackers is that if it's lost Bluetooth range, as in you've lost this thing, whether it's your keys or something else, you've hit find on your phone, it's not ringing, your phone says, I can't see it, you mark it as lost. What then happens is that a notification, a silent notification is sent to every tile user who has the app on their phone, meaning that if those people walk past it, walk near it, as I said, the range is, is extravagant, then your keys or your item 
will be found and you'll get a notification of its GPS location. The person who's walked past it, who is a Tile user, has no idea that they've walked past your product. They have no idea because that would be a security risk. They could actually pick up your keys knowing that you've lost them or your wallet. So you get silent roaming of this technology. And that means that you could get a notification on your phone saying, hey, your keys have been found. The ones that you marked as lost have been found. They're in this location. You can go there and you pull out your phone and it says closer, closer. And then you hit find once it's in Bluetooth range and they'll start to ring and you'll start to get closer, closer. And it will tell you sort of hot or colder until you actually find your keys, whether it's through hearing them or actually just, you know, actually seeing them with your own eyes. That is what a tile product does. So Apple have released the AirTag. Now, as always, I like to compare. I'm a big guy when it comes to comparing things. If someone says to me, hey, I want to get one of those things for my keys because I always lose them. I want to know whether you should get a tile or whether you should get an AirTag. Now, first and foremost, given that this is an Apple product, if you're somebody who uses an Android phone, Samsung, Google, LG, Motorola, Huawei, Oppo, whatever it is, AirTag is no good to you. It's no good to you. Go and get a tile. AirTag doesn't work on Android devices. It's an Apple-only product. Let's clear that up very quickly. The tile works on any of them. So for my experiment, I went and bought an Apple AirTag because despite it only costing $45, which is high for a tracker, as, as I mentioned, the tile starts from 25 Despite it only costing $45, and I'm asking a multi-billion dollar company to test one of their $45 AirTags, um, refused, completely refused. And despite knowing that other people who do tests of these products um, received them. So anyway, I went to try and buy one. Now, here's an interesting story, guys. I got in the car and I thought, okay, I'm going to go to a shopping mall where I have multiple options. Walked into a JB Hi-Fi, went to the accessories section, saw the Apple Pencil, the Apple cases, whatever it is. I saw the Apple AirTag case, like a key ring that you can get for it, but no AirTag. I found a guy. I never talked to the staff. Found a guy. Okay, mate, just looking for an AirTag. He says, we don't sell them here. He said, you have to go to Apple. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it was that bad. I knew Officeworks had pulled them off the shelves. We didn't realize JB Hi-Fi had as well. Went to the JB Hi-Fi website while I was kind of still browsing around in there thinking he was wrong. Sure enough, no good. I went to Big W, no good. I went to Kmart, no good. Target, no good. I then went to Bing Lee and I found two AirTags for sale in Bing Lee. And they were in a glass cabinet like cigarettes. They were locked up and it was kind of weird. Oh, hang on. Sorry, I got to go way back. The reason I actually went to a retail store, because I'm not usually one who does that, you can't also buy it on Amazon. And I first of all went to the Apple website. I should have said this first. I apologize. I went to the Apple website. I found them, obviously, ordered one, hit buy, took a screenshot, shared it on Twitter because I knew it would just be fun for Apple PR to be like, oh God, this guy's going to buy one and test it without us really wanting him to. Two minutes later, maybe more, maybe 10 minutes later after sending the tweet, I get an email from um, the Apple ordering system, whatever you call that, saying that my delivery date has changed to six weeks 
from the, from the day that I ordered. I'd get it in six weeks' time. That's strange, because when I was on the website, it was like ready for immediate delivery. Funny. Um, not conspiracizing, but funny. Anyway, so I managed to go to Bingley and 45 bucks for the AirTag itself. And if you want to attach it to your keys, you need to buy an accessory because the AirTag is the size of a 20 cent coin and has no holes in it to thread onto a keyring loop. It has nothing to actually hold it with. It's actually extremely slippery. So it's completely unattachable to anything on its own. Um, so I spent $55 on the app, the official Apple AirTag holder. I mean, it's made of leather, which is great, but 55 bucks is more than the AirTag itself. It's bananas. Anyway, that's how I got my review product for anyone who's asking. Oh, and by the way, Tile, I already had Tiles, but I went to Tile as a PR company. I said, hey guys, just checking, I've got the latest one um, in case there's a different model I should be comparing it with told them what I was doing. They said, look, let me send you a couple of tiles just to be sure in case you need them. Thanks, Tile. Appreciate that. Um, but anyway, I now had them both in my pretty little hands. I decided to use both of them as new instead of using an existing tile that I had. I figured fair's fair. Let's take them both out of the packaging. And I wanted to quickly see for myself with my own eyes just how crazy this battery issue is. I mentioned that retailers are pulling them off the shelves. So I go to the tile I can see clearly where you need to slide the back. There's a back section where you can slide that open to change the battery. I take the back door off. The coin battery is visible. I hit it. I tap it. It doesn't actually fall out of the Tile Pro. I'm using the Pro here. I have to use, well, I actually use my Swiss Army knife, but you could do it with a, probably a toothpick or a pen. You could, there's, there's a part where you can actually pry it out of the actual uh, Tile Pro. So that's how you get the battery out of the Tile. It takes effort. The air tag, you have to twist the, the silver part of the air tag. You sort of turn that anti-clockwise, yeah, anti-clockwise, um, about a couple of centimeters, not even a centimeter, like half a centimeter. And then the back door comes off and the battery kind of falls out with it. Um, it's really loose in there. It's kind of being held in by the battery door. That's where I think the problem is. And I've mentioned this before that I thought that could be the case. It is the case. Um, the tile, even if, the, if your toddler can manage to get the back door off, they're not going to manage very easily to get the battery out. Whereas with the AirTag, yeah, it's simple. It is simple. And I can see why there is the concern. So no surprise that so many retailers, including JB, I mean, God, like if someone's going to take something off the shelf, I, I mean, JB would stand to make so much cash out of this product. Crazy. So that's the reality of it. To be clear, the ACCC have not removed the AirTag from sale. So they have not said that it's unsafe. Um, so this is just my opinion on my actual experience with the products. So now with both of them in my hand, I thought, well, how am I going to test it? I quickly set up the AirTag and the tile onto the same iPhone, an iPhone 11, um, because I couldn't do the test on an Android device because of the AirTag. So I wanted them to be on the exact same phone. So I had the same amount of Bluetooth range, no difference on the actual phone itself. Um, I know that 52% of the Australian market carries an iPhone. So there's some interesting ways to think about that there. But I thought, no, let's use the iPhone as, a, as our base. I then had them side by side and I used a decibel reader to test how loud they are because as you are going to be finding your keys, you need to be able to hear that your keys are ringing. So with a decibel reader from 15 centimeters away, yes, I measured it because I'm taking it seriously. Um, I did a quick test. Now, 
to tell you the actual numbers, what have we got here? 15 centimeters away, 72.8 decibels on the tile compared to 70.4 on the AirTag. Now, that's only such a small margin, and I'm not going to even say that one is better than the other in that particular number. However, the actual sound of the chime, I mean, the type of noise that it makes, the tile is annoying. Like it wants to sing and dance like high pitch the whole time. It does not care about who's asleep. It's loud, loud, loud as long as it can be. Whereas the AirTag does these little steps like quiet, quiet, loud, quiet, quiet, loud, quiet, 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 loud. And that's why for me to hit that 70, it took a little while. Like within a 10 second period, it maybe hit 70 decibels once or twice. Whereas the tile hit 72 decibels maybe 10 times in that 10 seconds. So it's an interesting different type of chime that it can ring and you can change it on the tile. I couldn't see how you could change the, the sound that your AirTag makes. But anyway, I just think that was an interesting comparison to make. Now it was time to take them into the wild. How was I going to do it? Because I didn't want to actually lose the products. I mean, I wanted to be able to find them, but I didn't want someone to pick them up and keep them. So I had a couple of ideas. First of all, I was going to attach it to a real car key. I kind of saw what the worst case scenario of that was, didn't like it. So I ended up, I got a teddy bear. I, I once went to China for a work thing. And for whatever reason, they gave us this Chinese tiger thing. I've never given it to my kid. I've always left it in the closet here. It's a bit creepy. Um, and I pulled that out and I thought, well, what if I was a child and I lost my bear? It's like the Toyota ad where the baby loses their bear and they travel around the countryside till they find it. Like, well, what if that was the situation? But if it had a tracker, then it would be easy to find your kid's bear if you went on holidays and they lost it. So my plan was to stuff the air tag in the tile in a crevice of the bear and then put the bear like in a garden in a park. And then that would be my way of finding my lost bear. I spoke to a friend. We we're just chatting over the, over the day. And he said, look, what if a kid picks that up and you track your bear back to his house? You're probably going to get arrested because I could see what he was saying. That's very, it sounds predatory. It sounds like I've left bait out for a kid to pick it up. And then I'm going to go and turn up at their house and be like, hey, that's my bear. That's kind of weird. So I took the things out of the bear and I went to an option of just getting like what looks like a very small pencil case. It's actually a headphones um, case. And I put them in there. And not because they were, both of these are weather resistant. They can both handle a bit of rain or whatever. I wasn't worried about that. I didn't want them to be too flashy or too obvious. So I put them in a little pencil case. I also put a USB stick. I could have just put a post-it note, but I put a USB stick in there as well. And what was on the USB stick was a, um, a text file that said, if you found this, can you please call me? And I put my phone number there. I could have just written that on a post-it note. I mean, God, that person would have had to take the USB, plug it into a computer anyway. That, that was an oversight. So I've got these things and I've run down. We have a pretty big park near where we live, um, two or three baseball fields there, uh, massive, massive oval. It's also a place where I, I know that people do happy laps, like they go for walks, they take their kids in their prams, or if they're fitter, they run um, and they do runs around that area. So I knew that it's populated in some way. So Saturday morning, I go there, there's the running path or the walking path. And there's a bunch of bark sitting next to it. Perfect. Put both of the, put the actual pencil case thing underneath it. Um, go into the app. 
walk, I had to walk quite a distance away because if you mark it as lost when you're still within Bluetooth range, it just starts ringing your keys because it's like, you haven't lost them. They're just there. So you have to really walk and then you say, okay, I've lost them. And it says, yeah, you're right. Like we can't see it either. So go into both of the apps and carry out that activity. Mark them both as lost. Interestingly, at the park, within 45 minutes, I get notification from Apple that my AirTag has been found with an approximate location provided. Okay, great. It was hours before the tile was detected. Not surprising given that all you need to detect an AirTag is an iPhone. So in that same scenario of me losing a tile, it sends communication to people who have a tile with the AirTag. They just have to have an iPhone. And they also have an iPhone with the Find My service enabled. Not everyone uses the Find My service on their iPhone, and they probably should, especially if you lose your phone, lose an iPad, lose a watch. Find My is very beneficial. Um, But if they don't have that service enabled, they're not silently looking for your AirTags. So I think that's why it took 45 minutes and not 30 seconds, because I know that there would have been people walking past it with an iPhone. So I was surprised it took 45 minutes and not 45 seconds in that regard. But 45 minutes, it beat the tile in terms of being found. Fortunately, at least the tile was eventually found. With that experiment completed, I went back and I picked them up in the afternoon and I went to Woolies and I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put them in Woolies. Busy place, very busy place. And I took them out of my pocket and I hid it behind the alfoil because no stocking, like no shelf filler is going to have to replace alfoil every day. So I wasn't really worried about someone finding it. I didn't put it behind something like the vegetables, thinking that, well, next time they restock the pineapples, that my air tags will be found. So I put it behind the alfoil section and I left. Marked them as lost. Five minutes. I couldn't even get home. I live pretty close to the Woolies. I couldn't even get home. Air tag found. Um, about 20 odd minutes later, I had the tile found as well. So with the more, with the more people there, the higher concentration of people, the speed is absolutely rapid. So that was a really good thing to pay attention to. Again, not surprising that the Apple AirTag was found first and the tile was found second. But look, if I had lost either product, I'd be very happy because they were both found. If they weren't found at all, I'd have been a bit more worried. But knowing that I didn't have to sleep on it, you know, the sun didn't set before they were found, that was a really good sign. Now, what's interesting though, when it's lost indoors, the approximate location that it gives you is pretty average because there's no GPS, right? So even though that person is inside a Woolworths, which is a huge store, their exact location, what aisle, where exactly it could be is not as good. So you do have to really wait till you get into the store. Then you start to trigger out the Bluetooth. Um, The AirTag on an iPhone starts to give you almost an amount of meters away and a directional indicator as well. So it does help you really get to it. The tile is much more of a warmer, colder indicator. So as you're getting closer, it's like, yep, yep, yep. If you start going the wrong way, it's like, nup, nup, nup. And eventually you find it. But not that the decibel reading mattered when I was doing the test. Two decibels didn't make a difference. But when I was standing within maybe 10, 15 meters away, because I obviously knew where they were. But when I was standing about 10, 15 meters away, I started to make them beep. I made them both start to chime. And I really could only hear the tile over the air tag. Now, I know that they're inside a case as well, which would have muffled a lot of their sound. 
but it was quite obvious and distinct that I could hear the tile chime over the AirTag one and that did make a difference. Now obviously my phones were still giving me indications on how to get closer to them so I would have eventually heard the AirTag anyway. So what can I say? If you're an Apple user and you're flush with cash, go get the AirTag. The risk of doing that is that it only works with Apple devices. Many only Apple devices could potentially find your phone. Depending on the country you live in, that could be a problem. The crazy part to me, though, is the cost. At $45 for the tag, and the Apple accessories costing $55, it's very good to see that companies like Belkin have already started releasing um, AirTag holders that cost $19, $20. That's good to see. If you go on, on eBay or Amazon, you'll find even cheaper plastic ones that are out there now as well. But it just it blows my mind that they thought they would release a coin that is so slippery that it can't be stuck onto anything. It can't adhere to anything without an accessory bolted on top of that. And already at $45, they are absolutely ripping you off. You know, the tag, the, the tile, despite it being slower to find things, is so much better in every other respect in that it can find your phone. The AirTag cannot ring your phone. You can't do anything with the AirTag in isolation except swallow a battery. So it is a shame that while this is version one of the AirTag, they know what the market was like. They know who their competitors were. Why didn't they have the button to ring the phone? Why didn't they have a hole, a simple hole to allow you to thread your key ring through? It really is strange. At the end of the day, you do you. I think they're both going to help you find your lost products as long as they're attached properly. You will hear them. You will find them. I've done the test twice. I can tell you that they work. Again, it does depend on how many people are walking by and how big the tile ecosystem is in your area. What was also interesting, actually, before we wrap up on that, when I open the tile app and you mark it as lost, it actually gives you an indicator of how many people are in the area that you're searching for where you've lost it. And that was really cool to see because it says, look, there's about 2,000 tile users in your. Uh, proximity. So that's your potential idea of how of what your chances could be. Apple don't really give you that idea. You just have to assume that, hell, there's a lot of iPhones out there. Hopefully they're using the Find My service and they can help you find your AirTag. So Apple, thanks for not sending me the gadget. Uh, Bing Lee, thank you for stocking it. I plan on returning it somehow and getting a refund. We'll figure out how that goes because uh, I just don't need it. I, I really am happy with the Tile community. I've got, I've got them in so many products. I have them attached to luggage. Um, I have one attached to one of the TV remotes because my son was having a good time playing with them. Didn't really want to, really want to lose that. Um, when I need to travel, I can ring my passport wallet and find that very easily. Um, and also the Tile technology, um, and this is separate to the Apple AirTag in this way, the Tile technology is now being built into so many other products. I have a pair of Sennheiser headphones that have Tile technology built in. HP's laptops now use Tile technology as well. So we're seeing other brands um, embrace this ecosystem with Tile to easily start to help people um, stop losing things. And that's all it is. If you know someone who continues to lose things, misplace things, they're always saying, dude, where is my? You need to get them one of these products. If money is good, sure, go and get the AirTag. There's nothing really wrong with it from a lost item situation. I just think the feature list on the Tile is better and the cost is far less. So over to you. Do tell me what you do think of either product. Have you got one? Have you got a tile? Have you got an air tag? Do you have any questions about either of them or anything we've spoken about on the show? 0467 439 078. I look forward to talking to you again next week 
the week after that, and the week after that. And to people who have been messaging me, I apologize. The interviews are lacking. Be honest, I'm getting a lot of people who are just asking me to interview whoever it is because they want to push a message about something. And I don't want my interviews to come across as ads. Um, There's been so many people where I've said, hey, happy to have that interview, but can we also talk about X? And they said, no, we really want to only talk about this. I'm like, well, this isn't a free opportunity for you to come on and just advertise your products. I want to actually ask questions and challenge you about things. And they've had to pull out as a result of that. So there will be more interviews. We just got to get the right guests so that it's actually a good use of your time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Always feel free to leave a review. I love to read those. And again, message me, reach out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever you like. And I look forward to speaking to you all again very, very soon. Bye-bye.